Hi, and welcome to NANCAST. I'm Jill, your host. And now, a short word about NANCAST's research series from Dr. Medea Esser. NAN has been the premier organization for neonatal nursing-led clinical inquiry and research dissemination. Over the past 15 years, since the inception of the NAN Research Summit, neonatal nursing-led clinical inquiry and research has grown and continues to impact the fragile neonatal population and their families. To commemorate, educate, and support the continued work in this realm, NANCAST is joining forces with me, Dr. Medea Esser, and Dr. Tiffany Moore to put together the Nurse Scientist mini-series. Tiffany and I, better known as MEDIF, have been instrumental in the elevation of NAN's research agenda over the last couple of years and serve those neonatal nurses interested in learning and performing neonatal research and clinical inquiry. Together with Jill, Tiffany and I have worked to ensure this mini-series will provide information related to the various aspects of NAN's Research Institute through interviews and conversations with neonatal researchers, nurses, and professionals. We look forward to releasing a new Nurse Scientist episode every other month and sharing how you can embark on your own research journey. Today, three NAN members are on a mission to make research more accessible to fellow NICU nurses, leading the initiative of growing NAN's pillar of research. And our guests for today's episodes are Dr. Medea Esser, member of NAN Board of Directors, and also a board liaison to NAN's Research Institute Steering Council Research Committee and Small Grants Committee, Dr. Amy Kane, the current chair of the Small Grants Committee, and lastly, Dr. Ashley Vance, a member of NAN's Small Grants Committee and also a recipient. Let's get right into it. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. So starting a research journey is so overwhelming and can be intimidating. A lot of nurses have those critical questions, but they really struggle with the next step. Can you tell us about the Small Grants Program and how it can be assistance with new nurses starting their research journey? Okay. Well, yes, that is true. Just the thought of research can be very overwhelming for some people, but um, it really need not be. So what the Small Grants Committee does is oversees the allocation of funds that have been given to NAN to promote research within the neonatal population. And that can be not only the patients themselves, but patient care processes, the families that are involved, and other support systems that happen within the NICU. So um, I am the oncoming chair for this um, committee for the next two years. And so as the oncoming chair, um, I will be helping to oversee um, the application process. Uh, We will be reviewing submissions as a committee and then supporting the work of those who are chosen for the small grant awards. Yeah, um, and I'm Ashley. Um, I am a member of the Small Grants Committee, and so I help review proposals, discuss um, with the other members, you know, what we like about the grants and what we think uh, might be a great fit with the research priorities and um, the other core priorities for NAN. And so I, um, yeah, volunteer in this position and feel really grateful to be able to give back to Nan and other nurses, um, especially having experience with receiving a small grant and then also now being able to be on service um, through the organization. Thank you, too. Um, you are really integral members to this whole Research Institute for Nan. Um, as we start this 
series off um, with a lot more information for nurse scientists. Um, myself, the um, board liaison for small grants and the Research Institute for NAN, um, I find it really exciting to have members and chairs part of our institute that have experienced um, all that NAN has to offer. So it's really mm-hmm. great um, to have you guys here for this podcast and discuss this in a little bit more depth and um, clear it up for those that might be interested <laughs> in starting this journey and, you know, having a couple dollars in their pocket to help this out mm-hmm. would be even mm-hmm. more beneficial. Yeah, I think that's so perfect. One of the things that I really want to encourage nurses and others to consider is that one of the great things about the NAN small grant program is that you're talking to a community uh, who speaks your language. So you are writing a grant specific to, you know, your unit, your neonatal population, and the people reviewing your grant and um, the process, you have like a community of supporters. And so you are able to kind of speak all the same language. And so I think that that's very different, you know, when it comes to trying to get grants from different foundations or the NIH, um, you often have to speak to a wider audience and you may not have someone with a specific content expertise. And so I honestly find it very comforting and reassuring that we all speak the same language. And so we inherently know kind of um, the problems that exist or the things that we want to fix. And so we can really champion um, those great ideas that kind of come up, you know, at the bedside. Does NAN provide people that receive the grant with mentors to help them through that process? Absolutely. That is one of the charges of the Small Grants Committee over the last two years was um, trying to figure out and strategize around how we can improve that mentorship. Mm -hmm. And so another thing I would love, Amy, to speak on this is how is Small Grants different than applying for, let's say, another organization's grant? Mm-hmm. Um, how, what, describe some of the work that you've done around that EBP piece that makes it a little bit different um, than those other grant projects. Sure, absolutely. So Ashley makes a very good point about um, how applying for something through NAN definitely stays within your um, wheelhouse, if you will. And you have the same people asking the same questions that you would ask or that, and understanding the same information that you would understand. Um, speaking from someone who has a try, who has applied for grants outside of the neonatal world, um, it's not easy and they don't understand our world and they don't, they don't get us. So going through NAN definitely is a good first step. Um, the small grants project or committee projects are designed to help someone start their research journey. The research part of it should be considered as a pilot study um, so that you start small. And um, then after you have uh, achieved that grant and completed the project, then you move on and continue to build on that as a foundation for other projects. The difference between um, research and EBP uh, confuses a lot of people. Um, sometimes um, people get them mixed up and think that they're both research, where really it's very simple. The core difference is that research creates new knowledge. So research answers a question that has not been answered before, whereas evidence-based practice or QI, EBP QI, takes that knowledge and applies it clinically. 
you often hear of it called may hear of it called translational research. Um, and so the terminology is confusing. I will grant that. But really, the core difference is the difference between the creation of new knowledge with research and the application of that knowledge to a clinical setting through EBPQI. And so this year, what we've done, the Small Grants Committee has done, is taken the EBPQI application and completely revised it. Um, anybody who has applied in the past will note that the applications obviously uh, looked very similar, whereas the EBPQI language is really quite different and the goals are quite different. So we have revised the application for an EBPQI to reflect that language and to reflect those goals so that it is very different from research, which is the creation of new knowledge versus the application of that knowledge to a clinical setting, as in EBPQI. I think Ashley can speak to some of that as a past receiver and Mm -hmm. applicant. Um, But as the board liaison, what I see between that revision of the EBPQI and um, the applicant's experience or those people that receive it, we can tie this into the research summit in many ways as well, which Ashley was also a participant. I think that link is also kind of um, a unique aspect of NAN's, you know, support of neonatal research. No, I was just going to echo what Amy said about the difference. And, you know, she provided great clarity to that. And I have also thought about it in ways um, You know, if we think about evidence-based or QI projects, you are typically implemented unit-wide, kind of system-wide. And so it's going to kind of capture your whole population, whereas a research study or like a research grant is really going to try and hone in on a specific population or a specific problem. And you're going to like target specific people that are recruited then into that study. And so for me, sometimes it's helpful to think about those logistical differences, um, as well as like the overall purpose. Absolutely. Yes. And I think nurses, bedside nurses really gravitate towards evidence-based practice QI projects because to see those results applied clinically and it's almost a form of instant gratification. Like this is the bedside bundle that we created and these are the results. And I, Mm -hmm. I think that really garners a sense of, um, you know, excitement around what nurses can do with just one research question or just one curious question and how that really drives practice and improves outcomes. So I, you know, that once you get that spark, hopefully that, you know, spreads throughout the unit and and more people (laughs) feel empowered to, you know, take on research. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's why it's, I really like this series because it kind of, demystify, so to speak, research and, and mm-hmm. makes it seem more attainable. Mm-hmm. And to know Absolutely. that Ben has all these resources to help, mm-hmm. um, it yes. is really beneficial. Absolutely. What you say about the question, we call that the burning question. What is, what's <laughs> the burning question that you have and what, what is that spark that prom- prompts you to start looking at um, either creating some kind of new research or implementing something. I want to say, too, that sometimes the problem is when we look for outside research in the neonatal community that there isn't a lot, but it's very simple to go into other types of disciplines, pediatrics, um, acute care in general, and look at, for example, what you said about um, the infection rates, you know, the bedside um, bundles. So those 
don't come from NICU specifically, but they do come from the general acute care area or intensive care units. So it's not always, you don't have to rely on evidence from the neonatal world. Part of doing an EBPQI is taking evidence from a general type of problem or question and applying it to the neonatal world. And in a sense, you're creating new research, but you're really not because you've already taken these other, you're taking the same ideas, just applying them to a different population. So a lot of people get get discouraged because there isn't a lot of neonatal specific research out there because we all know that it's so hard to get approval, number one, to do real research on neonates. And so um, a lot of it is anecdotal evidence, which is is beneficial to some extent. So at least you have a place to start. But um, but looking at other areas and other disciplines is always an option as well. Um, you might want to look into the psychological realm for if you have a question about mothers. You know, obviously, you're not mm-hmm. going to find that in the neonatal literature. You're going to have to go to psychiatric mental health literature and look at that. So, um, so the the picture is much broader. The the resources are much broader than what you sometimes may think they are. Um, as reviewers, um, Ashley and Amy, you're the de- you know developer of this new EBTQI mm-hmm. um, application. What do you think is one of the biggest struggles or hurdles or barriers for those bedside nurses that don't necessarily have this through doctoral training or some sort of structured um, training Mm -hmm. program when they apply for the grant? Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest obstacles is that they really, it's, it's super important to get your organization behind you before you apply. Um, that is one of probably the biggest things that the reviewers are going to look at is because as we know, nobody does anything in a bubble anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to have a team, you have to have an interdisciplinary team, and you have to jump through the hoops of the different approvals in order to get something going. And that it's doable. It can be frustrating. I will grant, but it is very doable. But really getting as a bedside nurse, you need to have your administration and your your nursing manager or your charge nurse or whatever the title is, you know, behind you and supporting you in beginning an EBPQI project. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing is just being confident in uh, the way you frame the problem and kind of the way you frame the research question, you know, I think that it can really come across in the proposal, whether or not um, the person, the team has like a really good grasp of what it is that they're trying to answer what or um, fix, you know, or improve upon um, with an EBP project. I like to look at the proposals to see that um, they've really tried to identify the problem and are confident in how they want to then approach it. And and are planning to approach it in a, in a stepwise, consistent mm-hmm. manner, a very yeah. focused manner. Uh, some projects that we see, they start with question A, which questions off into A1, then it goes to A2, then they come back to A, and then all of a sudden they're on D. And so it kind of wanders. So your proposal needs to show a good outline of the steps that you're going to take in order to accomplish this EBPQI. Great mm-hmm. explanation. That's perfect. I think, Jill, as a bedside nurse, what would you, what do you find the most intimidating even thinking about applying for a grant? Oh, just the whole process. We all have a bedside nurse. We all have those burning questions. You know, we sit around and we talk, why do we do this this way? This would be Mm -hmm. better. 
Um, so that's not the difficult. I think it's intimidating to gather all of your questions, form how you want your proposal to be and, and mm-hmm. have that, as Ashley said, you know, have it very succinct and, and show that, you know, you have a plan and how you're going to follow that through. I had to stand before my organization's IRB and it's a NICU in an adult hospital. So mm-hmm. that language that was, that came up, they had no idea really what I was speaking to. So there was a lot of questions. So, you know, as a nurse, a NICU nurse, you need to be prepared when you Mm -hmm. present that information to an IRB, which has little to no knowledge of of NICU nursing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just I think it's the preparation that I feel Mm -hmm. most nurses are um, intimidated or overwhelmed with. Mm -hmm. But you know, to have a mentor and that's the most important, mm-hmm. I think, and to find somebody mm-hmm. that can speak your language and, and mm-hmm. can give you the education and the encouragement to move forward. Because, you know, we do meaningful work at the bedside every day. And, you know, we just need to take that further and, and mm-hmm. show how we can drive change and outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, you know, even now still working on writing grants, I still have to remind myself to be clear, to be concise, mm-hmm. you know, to write with confidence. And so I think it's understanding that there's grace in that it's all a process. Um, mm-hmm. But I would echo the fact that finding a mentor or even like asking people for examples, looking at other projects, you know, getting copies of grants and just laying your eyes on examples or talking to people who have submitted grants previously um, in any kind of mechanism. Um, It is, you know, self, you do have to be self-motivated and kind of proactive in that sense. But I know that when I was you know, I still look at other people's work, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to think of ways to improve, you know, look at their writing style or the language or however that may be. So there is also a lot of understanding that this is a process and we are hoping that we are getting grants from nurses who are, again, like we said, starting their research career. And so we definitely understand that perspective and we review the grants from that lens. So um, to piggyback on that, like, how would you encourage nurses to apply for this small grant? And like, what would be a draw for, let's say, Jill to apply for this grant if maybe she had no experience applying for grants? Like, why is it so important to apply for a grant that's $5,000 or $2,000? Well, I I think that I don't know that the most important thing is to apply for the grant per se. The most important thing is to improve the care of our babies and their families. That's really the most important thing. So if the means to do that is by um, doing an EBPQI or creating new research to answer a question, letting uh, your professional organization support you monetarily doing that is the benefit. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not about the the grant itself. It's about what am I going to do? How am I going to take this on? What can I do to improve neonatal care? And you'll find that a lot of times if you do a project in your own unit and disseminate it, it becomes common practice in other units. So you're not just impacting baby care in your unit, 
you're impacting potentially across the country. So I think that's pretty cool, honestly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And really, the purpose of the grant is to, as Medea said, help you outline the project ahead of time, get your steps in order, get your ducks in a row, and then financially support you as we can um, to do those things, and then help you disseminate and um, offer you a podium uh, to present your uh, project um, after it's completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say that's one of the best things about the, I guess I would call it maybe the integral pieces within NAN is that you have the opportunity to submit a grant with funding, Um, you are asked to come back and present at the national conference, Mm -hmm. and then you also have the opportunity to speak, you know, the research summit, and there are just like so many opportunities to help grow um, your professional development, but also, you know, disseminate the information so then other people can continue to improve the care of the babies. And so I feel like it's just really seamless across the Mm -hmm. NAN platform, if that's, you know, Mm -hmm. how we want to refer to it. And so that's our goal with it, right? Like, I met you all with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I would, and I would say for somebody who's looking to get started, um, you know, if there is an author of articles that you're very that you're passionate about, if you have seen this person present or have that person's, I you know, recorded lecture that you like, you know, contact that person. I mean, we live in Absolutely. such an open society right now that you can email, contact anybody. And I remember as a new practitioner and then as I started you know I'm like oh they don't want to hear from me I'm just like nobody I don't want to know they don't. yes we do actually now that I'm yes, on the other side do. now I know that we do because we want to know what is going on when I say we I'm talking about researchers academics professors mm-hmm. you know those kinds of, we want to know that what is what's being done at the bedside and what needs are out there in our population so you know contact somebody get say hey i need to, i want to start doing this but i don't know how to get started can you help me and i promise you nine times out of ten they're going to say sure absolutely and or point you in the right direction right or point like, you in the right direction yeah. <laughs> if they can't help you they will find somebody who can yes absolutely so reach out for you should never try to go this alone you know this needs to be a team project from the word go you need friends you need support you need some people you need just because they're of their position within the organization, you need their support. Some people you need their support to talk you off a ledge once in a while. So, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, All so, you, yeah, so don't ever try to go this alone. And that's what's so amazing about research. It's the network that you create mm-hmm. with other mm-hmm. people. Um, and really, you can toss ideas around or what are you doing in your unit that you find successful and you know, just the sharing of ideas is is what's amazing. And, and Nan has that great ability to, to you know, connect people, um, you know, with their forums and just, you know, like you said, just mm-hmm. email someone. It's very easy, um, you know, to get information and, and kind of move you where you need to be. Right. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to reach out to the small grants committee members mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. anyone in the research institute if you have questions. Um, we're happy to, you know, guide you, um, point you in the right direction, support you. Whoever's doing research is always very passionate about <laughs> their topic and would be willing to talk about it forever. So, you know, you kind of have to be to, exactly. yes. <laughs> to go away. Yes. 
<laughs> you do. And that that's that's another piece of advice I would say for somebody getting started is make sure it is something you love because I promise you at some point you will be so sick of it <laughs> that you will never want to talk about it again. So make sure it's something you're passionate about that you can continue on and um, keep going with and aren't going to hate every minute of it because you hate the topic. So Ashley, we've talked about how you have received a small grant and you mm-hmm. mentioned, uh, you know, your experience a little bit with reading the grant applications and how what you guys are looking for. But can you tell us the other side and can you bring the process to life for someone that's applying since you've already been through everything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say that I um, had the gift of having a mentor tell me about the small grants program. And so she is very involved in NAN. And again, I think sometimes it's just knowing what's out there. Um, And so I uh, was in a doctoral program and really needed to get some funding to jumpstart my dissertation work or to jumpstart uh, a study. And so the NAN small grant program was uh, perfect for that. And I can share, like specifically, I needed funds. I was trying to recruit families um, over time. I wanted to connect with them multiple times. And so I wanted to be able to, uh, you know, offer them an incentive, you know, offer them, you know, just a little as we call it, a token of appreciation for filling out surveys. or um, And so that's what I used uh, most of the budget for, was really being able to provide those incentive funds um, for families. And again, there's like a ton of different options, you know, that you can use that budget for. But I will say my specific experience was, you know, just my mentor, you know, guiding me and saying, hey, I think you need to consider this. We had already been talking about a topic for my dissertation. I really, all of my work focuses on parenting and caregiving uh, for medically complex infants and really trying to look at how they learn to feel comfortable and confident in caring for those kids, especially um, once they're at home. And so I landed on this idea or um, I actually went to the psychology literature um, and realized that there is a concept, you know, parenting self-efficacy, you know, really looking at confidence in parenting. I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. <laughs> like, and so we just had to really spend some time thinking about, okay, well, this is a topic. What do you, what do you want to know? Like, what do you want to know about it? And I felt really strongly that asking parents at one point in time, wasn't necessarily going to tell us a lot about their confidence or how well they were potentially, you know, doing. Um, and so I really felt like it needed to be a longitudinal study. And so I had like these clear ideas of what I wanted. And so then really just tried to work through the other specifics with my mentor and then just looked at the NAN guidelines um, for the grant um, and was able to, um, yeah, draft it. I had a, I did have it reviewed by my mentor and some other, I think like one or two other people prior to submission. So other people had laid eyes on it and had offered feedback. And so I would say that compared to some other grants that I've written, I was pleasantly surprised and pleased at the the ease of which I was able to submit the NAN grant. Um, it definitely required some work and I had to put some great thought into it, but it didn't feel overwhelming. I can, I can say that for sure. And I am 
grateful at how well it connected me to the NAN community. I think that was like the biggest thing, you know, being able to be at one of the conferences um, to receive the award, coming back the next, I think it was maybe two years later, once the Mm -hmm. study was done to like present the work and getting the grant really connected me to the community. And now I've been able to kind of grow from there. And I think for me specifically in terms of a research career, it gave me kind of some street cred to be able to say that I like got some funding and was able to kind of launch a program of research that I am excited about. And so, yeah, it was overall a great experience. I'm glad you mentioned that sort of street cred piece of it. And, you know, there is something to be said for, hey, you're applying for a grant and how many people, you know, that will respond to that? Like doctors mm-hmm. understand what grants are. They understand the mm-hmm. purpose of them and the importance of them. So as a bedside nurse talking about applying for a grant could build some cred for you and your project yes. in showcasing it, right? Um, and then you you applied for the small grant first and then you did research summit, right? Exactly. So I applied for the small grant, got that collected data, and then like a year, year and a half later, was able to use the data from the small grant to then write the abstract for the research summit. Um, so I was able to present at the research summit from the data that I collected using the small grant, which then is then was more information that I was able to present at the conference. Yeah. And so, then you published, right? In yes. AMC. <laughs> yes. And then published in advances. So just like trickle on down you know, the line. And now you're on the small grants committee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I will say the encouragement of this, like the street cred, you know, if you, you know, it's your chart, again, your charge nurse, the, um, even a physician maybe that will like mm-hmm. wants to partner on your grant. I think that, you know, if you're telling people, Hey, we're going to work on this project, this is what you want to do. If you're mode, people respect, if you are motivated enough to go out to try and get money to do this when we all know that like institutions are strapped for cash, especially in COVID. And they see that as leadership and, um, you know, that motivation uh, to go out and kind of seek funding is very well received. The thing that I experienced through this process was initially when I um, was thinking about topics and what I'm interested in, in terms of, you know, really trying to support developmental care and support families and really think about the whole parent experience um, during hospitalization. Um, No one ever really said this to me, but I felt personally like, oh, these are kind of like soft ideas or like fluff. I don't want to, I don't know if fluffy is the right word, but they're not like hardcore, like rigorous, you know, I'm not in the lab, you know, in a Petri dish, but I can say that as I would talk about my ideas to other people, they're like, this is great. Like you need to do this. This is work that needs to be done. And so you get kind of this internal validation in going through the process that like, yes, these are questions that need to be answered. Like we want to support you in doing this. And I think that the small grants process probably helps build the language around it and then you know, build that conversation even more. Cause I, I, I totally relate with that. Like who cares about diaper rash, you know, like, <laughs> but the more, the more I write about it and apply for things, the more it makes sense and how I, it's all about the package and how you present it sometimes right. um, to get that, to get that credibility. 
Yeah. And and that's a little bit what I alluded to earlier was that it doesn't have to be an earth-shattering project. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first EBPQI projects I help a student with was she had in her unit, the dirty diaper scale was in the close, pro- this is back when we had open units, was in close proximity, not next, but in proximity to where the formulas were prepared. So she's like, we need to move that diaper scale over to here. And the drama that ensued, (laughs) you would not believe. And all because we were, and you can talk infection control, you can talk consistent, you can talk all these other things about why it needed to happen. But the resistance and the drama that she met in that unit just by moving the diaper scale (laughs) from one place to another was unbelievable. So again, and this, this goes, whether it's research or an EBPQI, it doesn't have to be big. It can say something very small, just one tiny little question. Why do we do this this way? Is there a better way? You know, well, let's go look in the literature. That's always your first, that's always your first step. Go find the literature and see what, see what's out there. Well, there isn't any. Okay. Well, either I need to go to another area and look in their literature, or do I need to study this as a research? Ashley made a very good point about her project and how that, you know, got started and the support and, and how that's, that's how, you know, that's how research should begin actually really with mentors and support and everybody encouraging you. Um, for an EBPQI, it's the same thing, just in a different process as far as you already have the information, you're just translating it into a practice. So you're creating a guideline or you're creating a protocol or, or you're changing the way something is done within the unit. And sometimes people think that they don't need money support to do that, monetary support to do that. But really think about, um, I think Medea just said, you know, organizations don't pony up and pay for anything anymore. So if you want to do an EBPQI and you want to create some infographics um, Mm -hmm. to put in the unit, say you want to create a pamphlet for um, a parent or say you want to, you know, get the unit on board and do this, do this EBPQI and then throw a pizza party afterwards. Mm -hmm. Or statistics, right? Like statistics. statistics Not everybody knows how to use that. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so, so fun, you know, things like that, if you think about things that you will need to do that, you can ask for money to support you in doing that. And that's what we're for, essentially. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is to right. support. So even in EBPQI, those, those hidden costs that will make your project easier or better or whatever, or make it come to fruition in whatever way, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. So now, hopefully, we have made everybody want to apply <laughs> for a small grant and get that street cred. When is the deadline to apply for the small grants? We don't have, we think it's going to be sometime in, um, it's going to open up um, sometime in January, either late December, early January, and then March 15th is, the, is when it closes, March 15th of 2021. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today and, you know, sharing your passion for research. We learn from each other every day and our patients benefit by your knowledge and our knowledge that we gained from research. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for coming and joining us. There is so much to cover within the realm of research, and the conversation can't end here. To keep the discussion going, make sure you subscribe to NANCAST so you never miss an episode of our research series. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks for your support and letting us into your ears. Have a great day.